and welcome to Horrible Friends. Welcome to Season 2 and it's Spooktoberfest. We're a podcast in book club form and this week we've got Trick or Treat. Starting off, I'm Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jarvis. And the way this podcast generally goes, we're going to talk about the history of the film, the plot, sound and music, special effects, and we're going to put our own little spin on how we feel about the movie. Uh, so starting off, Dan, you got that history? So we got Trick or Treat, which came out in 2009. Uh, it was released in 2007. You may see that some places, but I, this was definitely necessary to say. It was released in 2007 at the But Numb Athon. Uh, I don't know what the butt numathon is uh, because I didn't feel like looking past the butt part because mm. I'm five. Uh, but this came out in 2009 in the USA. It was directed by Michael Dougherty. Uh, you may know Michael Dougherty from films such as Godzilla, King of Monsters, Krampus, and uh, possibly mm. Trick or Treat 2. It looks like he might have that in the mm. works. Hmm. Um, if you look at the budget, the budget for this was approximately twelve million. Uh, the box office, however, I struggled to find a box office. I found some weird numbers. Um, some of them said like twelve million. Some of them said six million. So I, I really struggled to find a specific box office number for this. So if you find it, then you are way better than me. Uh, which isn't much of an accomplishment. So pat yourself on the back and move on with your life. Uh, the movie will run you about a hundred minutes long, and you can watch us on YouTube TV if you are a fancy boy uh, with a simple subscription or a fancy girl. Um, and much to Jarvis's dismay, this was also filmed in Vancouver. You're lying. I'm I'm so sorry to let you know, but this was filmed in Vancouver. Hey, it's. Uh, Put another shrimp on to Barbie, and here you go. That's what mm. Vancouver is known for saying. So in 2009, <laughs> popular horror movies that came out were The Collector, The House of the Devil, uh, The Uninvited, Orphan, The Stepfather. Uh, these are a couple of some of the movies that came out in 2009. And the last thing I want to tell you guys before we get into our intro for Trick or Treat was our nude clock is going to clock in at about, now it's a little contentious, but about four minutes. And 23 seconds. And 20 Bullshit. Seconds. I don't think it minutes. counts. Four minutes and 23 seconds. It absolutely counts, well, but we will get to that. Eh. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the nude clock quickly. is 55 minutes. Nope. And we'll discuss why. Disagree. And before we go any further, Dan, can I just say it's so nice to be back for season two, and I can tell you're already going to start fights because you you skipped over the fact that it premiered at the Butt Numathon and didn't research it, which is driving me crazy right now. Like the fact that I don't know what the Butt Numathon is. I mean, this is this is the reason I didn't research it. I was like, everyone just needs to think, what is a Butt Numathon? Uh, I, I can't not know now. All right. Well, since you want to know, the Butnamathon is an annual film marathon that's held every year since 1999 in Austin, Texas. It was hosted by Harris Knowles of the Ain't It Cool News website in celebration of his birthday. The festival showed 24 hours of vintage films as well as premieres. Uh, can you tell that I'm... Oh, wait. Following revelations of sexual assault accusations against Knowles... 
September of 2017, the festival ceased. Can you tell I'm reading off a of Wikipedia? <laughs> Oops. Uh, that's not good. You should have probably skipped that part. <laughs> but, all right, all right, but to, he was really all, taking that but numathon to the to the exact <laughs> words, huh? Oh, God, I was gonna make a similar joke, but I was like, no, I probably shouldn't make a joke about <laughs> numb butts. <laughs> this is season two, boys. There's no holding back anymore. We, I, they've had their a, chance for pleasantries. Mm-hmm. Can I get in anyway? Uh, anyway, uh, oh, trick or treat <laughs> opens up. Um, I'm, I'm going off the dome right here because I'll be honest with the audience and, and you guys. It's been a little bit since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go off the dome here and I'm going to look to you guys to uh, to fill in a little bit of gaps here. And I still some, have, if you know what I'm saying, my summary of it. No, I, no, we're done with you now. Uh, here we go. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we open up uh, with a couple and they are walking back to their house right ah, mm-hmm. we're done with me i'm gonna leave it to you oh, oh, i was asking oh my god i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> don't put this pressure on me i was joking so uh before we get too deep into this we're trying something out uh we're, we're gonna break this up in, in a couple pieces because this movie's kind of broken up in a couple pieces uh we each really like this movie so we wanted to take up uh specific chunks of time and uh except except mike but whatever we open up a car cars driving down the street and uh the car almost runs into a group of kids car not stand- just any car an audi q5 if there's ever a car i want to be hit by it's an audi q5 that's how you buy a dodge money. ram i i could Wait, was that a joke about hitting the kids, Chris? No, like, I just said if I was going to be hit by a car, I'd rather be a Dodge Ram. Why a Dodge Ram? Because it's funny and ironic. Yeah. <laughs> if I was going to get hit by a car, I'd want to get hit by one of those little smart cars because I don't think it would hurt. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the new car. segment of if I were to get hit by a car. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, anyway, Dan, continue. Now, Dan, I mean, if, you, if you were to get hit by a car... <laughs> it. I mean, Tiff owns... A fiat so if you want to do we could try this we, do it all right i want someone to hit me with a car right now <laughs> <laughs> and so do our listeners anyway dan all right so uh the kids are almost killed by this car uh but uh, fortunately for them uh in a horror movie they survive so they continue they continue walking, a car drives by, and we start to zoom in on a house. Um, this couple walks up to their house. We presume that's theirs. The wife is saying that she hates she hates Halloween. Um, and the husband's like, oh, come on, it's not that bad. Basically just kind of like nonchalant about it. Like he enjoys it, but whatever. And for somebody who allegedly hates Halloween, that was a very elaborately decorated house. Right. Those kids that didn't get hit by the car, like, I mean, Dan said that, you know, this is a horror movie, so, like, the kids don't have to worry about it. That is only true for these children. This is not a movie where the kids survive. Let's be clear. That is a that is a consistent theme throughout this movie. Fuck those kids. This is a trick or treat. We're killing kids. Mm -hmm. It's like a Stephen King film. No, Stephen King kills dogs. And kids. And kids as well. True that. He likes soda machines. <laughs> he also so, likes ATMs. I call him an asshole. 
Have you turned into season one? If you have, you would get that. <laughs> so the the wife is saying that she's going to clean up the yard because, as Jarvis said, this house is very ornately decorated. Um, and the husband's like, oh, come on, we'll do it in the morning. And she's like, no, I want it done now. I hate Halloween. Haven't I told you this before? And he's like, yeah, you have, but I'll help you in the morning. And she says the most triggering conversation piece that I've, I hear in this movie, which is you're just going to go inside and play video games and sleep until noon, and I'll end up doing it anyway. And my mom is coming over, so I want it done before she gets here. And I felt so triggered. I was like, oh, my God, this is a real conversation that I've had many times. <laughs> Well, to be fair, what kind of psycho takes down Halloween decorations on Halloween night when there's still people walking around? It was gross. Like the whole concept. I was like, what do you do? What do you mean? What? Yeah. Usually let those things go until at least Christmas, right? Yeah, that's one of those attitudes that's like you're waiting for Santa to come and you're like, you know what? I'm going to build a fire and go to sleep. So Santa can't come. Fuck you, kids. Now, I don't know about the. I've actually found so I, you know, our loyal listeners know that we all grew up in New Jersey, and I've actually found throughout my travels that not every state or every country does this, but mischief night was like a big deal in New Jersey. And if you didn't decorate your house or if you took your decorations down early, like your house is getting egged. Like, what is this woman thinking? So, our next thing that we get was um, the husband goes inside. Uh, they kind of make an insinuate, like they kind of insinuate that they're gonna like have some freaky sex, right? Like no, she, she if just, I remember, she just tells him to put on the tape, and he <laughs> goes inside and he pulls out the VHS tape of a nature special, and uh, begins to learn some interesting things about animal integrity. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're calling it this season? <laughs> think of a word I was instincts is that the word you wanted animal instincts yes mm. nothing sexier than breaking out the old vhs player am i right boys <laughs> yeah oh man six to midnight <laughs> <laughs> so her husband goes in learns about some animal integrity and we are left we should clarify that with... it is not animals <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that they were going at it like animals. Mm -hmm. Fair. We leave the husband to go inside to look at some videos of animals that aren't actually animals in being integritous. And uh, we are left with the wife outside. And she is cleaning up, as she said that she was going to. The guy is inside beating off vigorously. Mm -hmm. uh, and she is cleaning up the decorations outside. So you did blow past where our contentious nude clock is. No, I yeah, most that. most integritously. No, this is this is where we defer an opinion. In case you okay, did not, in case you loyal listeners have not realized, the tape was in fact pornography. Shocking, I know. But on the pornography, there was boobs. And that is where our nude clock for this week is at four minutes and 23 seconds. But it's, it's okay. So like, yes, you're not wrong. But at the same time, like that's, that's a, it's a, a it's a tape okay. of, of a tape. It's not our actors. It's not, you know, part of the storyline. So yes, while I agree that there were boobies. 
I feel like I, our nude clock rules never stated that it has to be a member of the cast. Has to we be have nude. nude clock rules? If you would like to submit your nude clock rules, please email us at <laughs> horriblefriends at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you want to see what our current rules are, just check out the wiki. Uh, you know, we, we definitely have that, right, guys? <laughs> this nude clock has always been an exact science, infallible science. I feel that every boob and butt we have seen so far has been on in the movie actor but this does count because it's like the inception of boobs it's a movie within a movie look guys let's just be honest with ourselves we're we're in too deep we've never come across this situation before we don't know what to do with this with a porno inside of a movie with nudity we don't know what to do let us know on we're still like we're like 11 seconds into this movie. Holy uh-huh. shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's keep moving. Um, so we're left with, again, we are left with the wife outside and she is cleaning up things. Um, the way it should be. And she, oh, shit, oof, uh, I'm going to leave that with a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, so the, the wife looked turns around the woman turns around and she sees someone across the street she's staring at him and we get like a really nice halloween shout out here where the person is standing across the street and they're just standing there ominously staring at them and she's staring back and then the person gets in the car but it's a very cool scene very visually appealing and nice if little callback definitely yeah, a good callback yeah if you're a fan of horror then you would i would assume that you would definitely appreciate this the wife is continuing to clean up and uh skipping ahead a little bit the wife ends up being murdered brutally by this thing i don't think we actually see what it is yet no you just see it from the cameras from the perspective of whoever killed her right so we we just get that perspective she gets caught up in a curt in a uh sheet and she's pulled down to the ground she is screaming outside. The husband is still just... He does not care that his wife is being murdered. Let's be clear about this. I think like, he's asleep at this point. He no, he is beating... Oh, yeah, he... Um, that man is beating... He, no, he, he, no, he, he beat, uh, beat himself off into a, a nice, uh, you know, wonderful slumber. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. All right. There's definitely mm-hmm. some social commentary here about, like, the woman cleaning, and then the man is just beating off and goes to bed, right? She but, wanted to. It was her idea. Oh, it was. It, she she dressed that way, right? Like it was her fault. She was asking <laughs> for she it. Said, Get the tape. She had she boobs. Did, she was clearly asking for it. Come say, on, guys. She, she, she literally said, "Get the tape." He was being dutiful. I'm just saying there. There's definitely some underlying metaphor here, but uh, I guess we'll move past that. Mm-hmm. Um. The lesson here is if you don't want to get brutally murdered in your own front yard, be a man. Gotcha. All right. So, <laughs> I was, I was not going so to he, he magically wakes up from the slumber that you guys cl- claim that he is in. And he comes downstairs and he's like, whoa, where's my wife at? And he walks outside. He sees her dead body. Uh, he pulls the sheet off and she has a lollipop in her mouth and she is dead and he's like who's gonna clean everything up now because he He didn't care did he care did he care i don't remember Uh, exactly if (laughs) if he cared then you would have remembered (laughs) you'd have been like hell yeah he was crying and like screaming he was just like oh man i gotta clean up all this stuff before your mom comes in tomorrow oh no (laughs) all right but that ends our intro 
And we move into our next story of Trick or Treat. And I'm going to pass it off. I just wanted to off. say that there was the uh, the comic book style credits. Oh, I loved it. Of, it was pretty awesome. It started off as soon as you see Emma's, Emma was the wife with the decapitated head. It went from that in a comic book art style and it cut to what we're going to see as scenes in this movie. And it was just a real good stylistic choice. Yep. Really nice scene transitions. Yeah. I know we're going to touch on like the, uh, you know, the effects and the visuals and everything, but like it, it is so well done. It's so creative and it's just so refreshing. Totally agreed. And I'm going to pass it off to Mike to uh, tell his side of the story. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. So we see a young Thurman Merman of bad Santa fame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is walking down the street, pushing pumpkins over with chocolate all over his face, like a typical chubby little child. Dragging his bag of candy like a fucking but, asshole is what he's yeah. doing. He was just being all emo and sad and I want attention and I'm a fat little boy who eats chocolate on Halloween and I have no friends. I'm all by myself. I've been there. That, that's Thurman Merman for you. Uh, he stops and approaches a, a house with a sign that says, take one. And of course, he dumps the bowl into his bag, like with a fat child, Thurman Merman. Uh, the owner of the house calls him out on it and saying it's not going to help out when he gets diabetes. <laughs> Which is a pretty horrible thing to say to a child. But true. It it needed to be said. It did. So the man from the house calls Thurman and Merman up to the porch. We find out he's the principal of Thurman's school, and that's how they know each other. And this man is very aggressively carving a pumpkin, stabbing it, and just slicing it apart. And then... Thurman starts coughing and his stomach is making some strange noises and the man tells him you should always check your candy. Thurman starts projectiling vomiting all over the place and he collapses. It is then when the principal drags him inside the house and this man must be a professional bodybuilder low-key to be able to lift Thurman's (laughs) body. Why would you kidnap the world's fattest fucking kid? (laughs) There's so many kids in the world. I'm going to just carry this 240 pound sack of a child mm-hmm. into my home. So, I, like, I had heard that this movie killed kids, but like, I, I didn't know, like, the context. Like, you know, th- this movie just comes out and it's like, hey, let's murder this kid in the worst way possible. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was razor blades in the candy, right? Yes. Yeah. Razor blades are poison or something. I think it was poison. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell if I he was he was vomiting poison. blood or chocolate. I guess it was a, a mixture of the both. Uh-huh. So I just want to say that was a lot of vomit. Like a lot, lot of vomit. But Thurman must have eaten a lot of candy and you gotta get that out of your body. So uh this is when trick-or-treaters ring the bell, and this is when the movie tells you that this was the principal of the high school or the so then we see a creepy sack boy kid looking at the back of the group and he takes a piece of candy. This is, of course, Sam now. Now that uh, it, it's worth mentioning, this is this is the famous Sam of Trick or Treat who wears a sack over his head that is uh, adorned to make it look like a smiley face wearing uh, an orange jumpsuit and always seen with a bag of candy. Yeah, I, I don't. And we'll talk about it later, I guess. But I don't think they mention the, the, the kid's name in the whole thing, right? Like, uh, no. they don't mention Sam at all, right? So no, I'm not sure it wasn't crazy. Yeah, okay. No, no. Okay, so I'm going to jump back to this sack boy. I just love that you call him sack boy. He looks like sack boy. He looks like sack boy. I don't know what sack See? boy is. Oh, it's a PlayStation thing. 
You would understand. Oh, okay. It's because okay. I... Okay. Let's... So the doorbell rings, and it's a bunch of trick-or-treaters at the door. This is when we find out that the man that we've been seeing is the principal of the school. And uh, it's a group of kids and a creepy-looking sack boy from the PlayStation game. <laughs> for the people who don't know. Is like at the back. Yes. And he takes a piece <laughs> of candy. Now we see the man in the basement. He has knives everywhere. And he is looking to be carving a pumpkin. His kid walks in. And we find out that it is not a pumpkin that he is carving. It is Thurman Merman's head. And surprisingly, his child knows about everything his father does and that his father kills people. And he's just a, being a typical kid in any kind of other normal situation where he's just annoying and interrupting his father cutting up this head. Yeah, it's, how, it's worth it to note that the, the kid had been constantly annoying his dad uh screaming out the windows so people would look at him when he was trying to bury the body and yeah it's it the kid's just like hey why don't you uh i want to do my, we, my pumpkin can we carve the pumpkin now not yeah. just bury bodies burying alive bodies yes. Multiple yes. bodies. yes yeah multiple bodies i when when that scene happened uh the only thing i had for that was uh, uh can a guy kill kids in peace come on <laughs> <laughs> I just put that his name is Mr. Wilkins, by the way. Mm, um, yes. Mr. Wilkins is me as a murderer, like just a really annoyed dad. You know, just like, <laughs> oh, we'll do it in a minute. <laughs> just take the rage out with the shovel, you know, to the head of your victims. Like, yes, buddy, I'm coming. And then just fucking decapitate some more people. Mm -hmm. I got to say that dad and son, super cute duo. I yeah. would watch that movie. It's like good old fashioned father son bonding. Like it's kind of yeah. fucked up. I'm, well, I mean, you know, however you make memories, man. You got to spend time with your kids. I mean, spend time. The, the you father find a way. son that carves up Thurman Merman's head together stays together. Stays together, right? Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Now, when the father's in the backyard burying a body, he sees his neighbor get attacked. And I believe that's all we have for this man. Yes. I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Full disclosure. Yeah. I, have, I watched this movie a while ago, so I'm just going to give you some bullet points. And you have seen this movie if you're listening to this. So you can fill yourself in here. Charlie Brown is an asshole. One. Drunk lady in a cat costume. <laughs> Two. Hot dog butt fucking a pig. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody notices women being killed is in danger. Four. Uh -huh. So fill those in if you've seen this movie. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Somebody take this from me, please. It's like a where's Waldo. You're just, just like notes. <laughs> a madman wrote these notes. Uh Anyway, Jarvis, I think you're up. Here's trick or treat. This woman's <laughs> being murdered. Why is no one helping her? Find the scene. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Um, I, I think the so you said the drunk cat lady. Um, I think that's when my story kind of begins, if I'm mm -hmm. correct, because I think those are my my children, not my literal children, but the children that of the story I'll be talking about. First off, my note 
my first note there is my wife is absolutely going to be that drunk cat lady eventually. Like, <laughs> it's, I mean, that's that's just so typical of my wife. Mm-hmm. But okay, my wife, my, my wife. wife. All right. <laughs> I got it. You got me. You got me. All right. You know, the my, the most exciting thing about that is the Borat. Quotes are coming back with the new Borat movie. Yeah, I can't wait. That's great. You know what it is? Mad Nas. Okay. <laughs> All right, Kyle, hit him with it anyway. Anyway. That's uh, three. All right. Yeah. So our story begins as a group of children is trick-or-treating. Um, they're going from house to house. They stumble upon the crazy cat lady um, who is clearly drunk, probably hosting an orgy. It looked like a fun Halloween party. I was sad mm-hmm. that I wasn't invited. Mm-hmm. They continue Same. to walk. And this is where we're going to listen to a word from our sponsor. You know, Mike, it's a special time of year where it feels like the whole world is getting together, dressing up, and watching scary movies. And I got to say, it feels great. I couldn't agree more with you, Jarvis. You know, Halloween being only once a year is not a great thing. It's too bad Halloween's not every day, where we would be living in a nightmare scenario like Groundhog Day, where every day would be Halloween, but that would be great. Yo, right you are. And if you're like us, horror movies and spooky culture are definitely not a a once-a-year affair. And I know when I come home from work or when I'm going out, I am not trying to wear the same tired, boring clothes that I wear at the office. Exactly. If I'm looking for high-quality clothes that celebrate everything horror, sci-fi, fantasy, I look through... I look no further than Arexi Threads on Etsy. It's the only place to go for fun and creepy t-shirts for everyone, from babies to adults and everything in between. Her range of apparel, decor, and everything covers a wide variety of new, old movies, TV shows, Netflix hits, classic horror movies, and everything's ready to print, ready to ship. There truly is something for everyone. Yeah, and aside from their sizable inventory, they are custom print friendly. Just reach out through their online shop at Etsy.com, and someone will happily discuss different ideas and rates to make sure you come out with the product and design that you had in mind. And when you use the code HORRIBLEFRIENDS, you get 20% off your whole purchase. 20%? That's like the best deal I've ever heard. It is a really good deal. Uh, so make sure you go to Etsy.com slash Orexy Threads, O-H-R-E-X-Y, Threads, and click our coupon code HORRIBLEFRIENDS, H-O-R-R-O-R-B-L-E, FRIENDS, for that 20% off discount. And welcome back. Here we go. Oh, that's the hot dog, but fucking <laughs> Yes. Because <laughs> that's what the kid says when they're walking away. You're right. You're right. <laughs> The the connection and just clicked. Oh, light bulb moment! Aren't they beautiful people? Aren't they so good? I gotta say, I I'm always offended by these scenes because it's negative. It's negative negative teacher propaganda. That's all it is. (laughs) It's negative teacher shit, and I'm offended by it. All right, guys, I'm I'm di- I'm turning the dial up to eleven. All right, I'm going to try mercilessly to offend Dan this I will whole tell season you, too. I will tell you every time you do. <laughs> I've learned to avoid the subjects that would offend Dan. Yeah, uh huh. Mm-hmm. I've learned to embrace them with an <laughs> iron fist. Ah, you the children continue on. 
The children continue on their way, making making their way from house to house, picking up candy until they come to a very adorned house. Now, this this house is adorned with a lot of Halloween direction. Decorations, son of a bitch. I pulled a mic. A lot of Halloween directions. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is that considered a mic? Halloween? Halloween? No, no. It, uh, you know, because of all the melatonin in our skin. Yes, but... the melatonin is a very dangerous chemical that makes our skin very susceptible to something. Look at that. In it's season two, we can call next already, to our own. Yeah. It's the first episode of the second season. We're already referencing our own content. Hey, if That's you guys want to know what we're talking about, go back to season one and listen to <laughs> us. <laughs> You're not a true fan unless you do. <laughs> yeah. Are we reviewing Hubie Halloween? Or like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> what was that accent? All right, Kyle, hit him with it. Uh, anyway. Drink every time Kyle says anyway, by the way. Am I the only one who's <laughs> watched Hubie Halloween? That movie no. was not good at all. <laughs> And next week, we will be reviewing Hubie Halloween with Adam Sandler. All right. I think I'm going to start drinking. I really miss doing these. I've lost it. I've lost it. I've, I've All right, hold on. <laughs> Rampage. So the children keep going until they come across a, a very... Halloween adorned house. And these are not just any Halloween decorations. Um, the house is covered completely. The front yard, the porch, everything covered in jack-o'-lanterns. All lit. It looks really, really cool. Um, and they, they go up to the fence and they, or one of the girls, I believe it's Marcy, says, this is where Rhonda the retard lives. Dan, go right ahead. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was like, wow, wow, just you came right out and you said a thing. You, there, there's it, there it is. All right. That's the hard R word. It was, yeah, it the was there. R. They just used it. They were just like, here it is. Hey, what do you two, think about this? 2007 was a weird time. All right. Mm. There, it shouldn't have been, but let's move. Let's keep going. <laughs> so the kids, and, and this isn't a situation in which Rhonda, the retard, from now on, we're just going to say Rhonda. This, this wasn't well, a scenario in which Rhonda was invited to come with them. She just kind of happens upon her the, this group of friends outside, and they sort of invite her along. I, now, I do want to say about your Rhonda the retard, all I said was, Macy said a bad word. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is my only comment on that, apparently. <laughs> so the, the fact that like she wasn't necessarily invited to this, but as we go along... It's kind of apparent that this was all part of part of a, an elaborate plan, and we'll get to that. So this is really where the story kind of begins, because they go to the abandoned rock quarry. And Rhonda, by the way, brings a pumpkin with her. Now, this is kind of our, our first example of why it's important to bring a pumpkin with you on Halloween night. Uh, a pretty consistent theme throughout the movie. So... Uh, the group of kids goes to the old abandoned rock quarry, and that's where Marcy, who I think we all have notes as Marcy, you bitch. So we're I just going to call her Marcy the bitch. I have Marcy as a little bitch. Yep. yep. Everyone else? Right about the same? Yep. I have where... little to say about Marcy. I used a different word that I didn't want to use because Mike already used it about 30 times in a previous episode. So, That's true. Uh, if you want to know what that word is, uh, go back and listen to our other episodes. 
I'm going to kill myself. I'm, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where we get the story of the Halloween bus massacre. The Halloween school bus massacre. And it's told from Marcy's perspective. But again, we get a beautiful transition. Uh, it's uh, a leaf. The leaves go by sort of graphic. Um, because the scene is being told at night. It's Halloween night. And the leaves take us to... Uh, daytime where we see an old school bus and this is some 30 years uh, prior and she begins telling us this story of the small school bus that had eight children on it and each one was kind of disturbed in their own individual way so obviously now it's clear that these children are special needs and they're all adorned in their halloween outfits you know some are muttering to themselves some are just kind of not saying anything at all staring out into space and the story goes on to say that the bus driver was approached by the parents of these children who had grown tired over the years, tired of their special need children. And they approached him with a proposition. So one day. I was just saying, oh, you, would, please go ahead. you would think there would be one holdout in this group of eight parents. Well, one parent would be like, you know, I don't want to murder all of her children. I was Not, thinking the same thing. They all thing. agree to have this bus driver kill all their children. It was really a group effort. It's a collaborative effort, if you mm -hmm. will. Which Spoiler goes back alert. To, which, which goes back to my point of anti-teacherism, and it comes to, like, pro-teacherism, actually. Like, you know, collaborative work. Teachers really collaborate a lot, so. All right, get out of here, Mr. Feeney. I don't sully the name of Mr. Feeney. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> educators that the Philadelphia area has ever seen. Mm -hmm. He did follow a group of kids throughout their entire education through college. What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> what the fuck is happening right now? Mr. What the Belden fuck is happening right now? In Saved by the Bell. So <laughs> You're just making me do more work. Just that's <laughs> Anyway, the children uh, are being bussed home. Uh, but as I said before, the bus driver was approached with a proposition. And instead of his normal route, he takes a sharp right. One of the kids notices immediately. He begins muttering, wrong way, wrong way. He drives them all the way to the old abandoned rock quarry. He uh, stops abruptly, kind of sh shifting the kids forward. They're all a little unsure. He stands up with a bucket of candy and goes by, and we realize now that each, each child is individually restrained with uh, some, just some chain restraints that are uh, affixed to the floor of the bus. And as he checks the restraints, he kind of throws them a piece of candy each once he sees that they're each individually restrained. Now, it's clear that there's sinister motive at this point. They're not going to Chuck E. Cheese. Um, I, I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting like he threw the candy at them you know like was it to calm them down or was it almost something more like you know you know how like you had to pay the toll on the river sticks you know you know what I mean like was mm -hmm. that like his was that his tribute to them like almost his payment or something I don't know I what are your thoughts I, I like that idea I really think that's a interesting 
thought on that. So I didn't think about this anything outside of like the um, surface area thought of like, why the fuck is this guy giving them candy? They're about to die. So this guy went out to the fucking Walmart, dollar store, Target, wherever, spent like $15 on like a huge bundle of candy because, you know, he's got to have candy out for the other kids. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, yeah, let me waste some candy on these kids. I'm about to murder real quick. Like that didn't make any sense to me. But outside of that joke, I like what you were saying, Jarvis. That makes a lot of sense. Like paying the river sticks, like making that payment for it. Like that, that's cool. Well, how you much pay the ferry, man. to buy a bus driver, to, to bribe a bus driver to kill your eight children? Probably Maybe about $15 the, to buy the candy. Yeah, probably about <laughs> the price of the candy. Mm-hmm. About uh, tree fitting. <laughs> I mean, he gets to keep the rest of the candy, right? Like that's payment. Hey, he's good to go. You get some Butterfingers. Uh, what, what are you getting? Those like fake candy bags out of the dollar store. You get like um, tiny Snickers, like fake Laffy Taffies, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, this is the seventies. There wasn't like a Walmart. Like he he picked up like fucking sugar sugar snaps at the five and dime or some shit. I don't know. Like candy used to suck back then. Yo, what about them candy cigarettes? You ever have them candy cigarettes? Ooh, yeah, dude. Candy cigarettes, dude. Yeah, That's a different. Just literally sugar sticks. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. I get I get mad when I look at them. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. I feel some sort of way when I look at them because I'm like, damn, these made me smoke at one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Candy cigarettes made you smoke? Yeah, they got me to that uh, like hand to mouth like kind of thing. I know there's a joke in there, but like in all seriousness, Dan doesn't want to use the phrase oral fixation, <laughs> so I will for him. No, 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 I didn't know what the word was. I'm sorry. Oral fixation. Yeah, it got me to like that oral fixation kind of thing. So uh, I, I hope you never like decide to bake a loaf of bread because you might just start railing cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here comes here comes the smoker defending, defending uh-huh. the uh, smoking company. <laughs> Dad's going after Big Flower after this gets <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Marlboro Menthol Cigarettes. Uh, if you like the smooth taste of Marlboro Menthol. I'm going to have to go ahead and delete this. And unbleached flour. <laughs> anyway. Marlboro's may cause birth defects. I'm not going to get pregnant, so I'm all good. <laughs> I found my brand. <laughs> I'm not sure that this is an episode at this point. I'm really not. This is a great episode. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. <laughs> Are we on to the third part yet? No. I think we're getting there. No. Oh, Christ. No, I'm there's still quite a mind. Yeah, he's still got quite a bit to go. So working from the front to the back, he gives each child a piece of candy after checking the restraints. But the child noticed immediately that they took the right who is not okay with the situation. He he has he has kind of the immediate sense that this is fucked up, something's not right, and he is actively trying to get out of his restraints. He manages to get out of his restraints, and he runs to the front of the bus, unbeknownst to our bus driver, and he begins starting to shift the controls, and the bus driver notices, and they... Or he he hits the, he hits the accelerator, and the bus kind of flings forward, and it knocks our bus driver down, and he hits the accelerator again, puts it into gear, and the bus drives right off the cliff of the old abandoned rock quarry into the waters below. And we watch the bus submerge itself completely into the waters below. That was fucked up. I, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I thought that the fall over the cliff shot was cool. I thought it was really well done. 
I just I want to keep interrupting you. I have nothing for that. <laughs> I, I thought that this bus driver was being very irresponsible and should not have put these children in that situation. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Well, well, we had talked about that before. This guy's like the worst bus driver since Chris Farley in uh, Billy Madison. That's the only way this, this scene would have been better if it was literally Chris Farley just like, ah! Bust around. He's going to eat all those kids' sandwiches (laughs) and then throw them into a rock quarry. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, we do learn, though, that the bus driver did survive. We see after the bus is fully submerged, we see masks rising out of the water and a lot of bubbles, signifying that the children are under the water, of course, most still restrained and they are all drowning. But the bus driver rises from the water and he's able to escape. And then we realize why the children are there. So now we're out of the flashback and we're back to Marcy, that bitch, telling the story. Um, And their goal in all this is they want to see the bus and see the submerged, disturbed children because they come up every year on Halloween. Obviously, some are more into the idea of exploring this area than others. Whether or not they agree to it, they all eventually go down to the... <clears throat> to the lower level of the rock quarry using like this old like cage type elevator pulley system almost mm-hmm. what do we call that yeah, An pretty much that. System. <laughs> <laughs> a shitty old elevator in a rock quarry yeah we'll go with that it, it's an eps yeah so uh, <laughs> so Rhonda goes down eventually and obviously she is she is not involved in whatever these kids are cooking up and the she, she decides to stay in the elevator for the most part until they begin hearing screaming. And then the child that stayed behind with her, the large fat child, I don't have names necessarily. They're all throwaway characters. One's fat. One, two, are, two are females. One's kind of tall. That's, that's all you need to know about the kids. But Rhonda stays back until she starts hearing screaming. And then eventually she goes out to investigate where she sees the tiny fat kid. Now he's covered in blood. And now there are some masked Uh, people running towards her she's so frightened she's so scared she's running she drops her glasses she crushes her glasses um she's frantically looking around she's basically blind as a bat and that's when it comes out that this is all an elaborate prank by this group of kids to fuck with Rhonda the retard and yeah that was rough man it's one of those really shitty high school high school pranks that i'm just to bully somebody because they're different is a real fucked up thing to do yep but I, I thought it was like just funny to me. Not nothing but Rhonda, but how they said, "Oh, this bus was never found," and then they go down to rock quarry. Bus just sitting there out in the open. And it's like, yeah, this now bus it is. is found. Now right. the bus is found. I did think of that. I'm like, man, someone could easily just walk down here on like a oh. sunshiny day and just be like, "The bus that, was not." Oh, hey, look, that, the bus. It's the bus, guys. <laughs> well, that's part of the lore. I think the bus is only the bus only rises out of the depths on Halloween. So that makes sense. now there's a strong fog yeah. down there. That's yeah. I think that was about the size of what they were going for. Mm-hmm. So you know the this whole thing's a big elaborate prank, whatever. And now the fog starts to clear. And now yes, as we have said, the bus is clearly visible out of the water, and not just by a little, like half of it. It's like the Titanic scene where like half of it is sticking straight up in the air. That's this bus right now. And they begin to hear some noises and some jingling. Now, at this point, um, the tall guy, I believe his name is Schrader, uh, has walked uh, Rhonda back to the 
the elevator and trying to kind of console her. He realized, you know, this is this whole thing got out of hand. Um, but now we're starting. Now we're panning back to the other three kids who are part of the joke, and we're we're hearing some noises. We're hearing some strange things, and panning back to Rhonda and Schrader. Now we're hearing the children scream. Schrader rushes back to try to find out what's going on, and this is when he encounters the kids. And this is Mars, and he runs into Marcy, and she's like, "Okay, this is not a joke. There's really something going on." And that's when we see the first shot of the children from the bus coming. Uh, they throw a chain and they get one of the girls. All the children are running back screaming. They're all running back to the elevator where Marcy is now locked in the elevator, uh, sitting crisscross applesauce, holding her pumpkin. And they're all asking her, hey, let me in, let me in. This isn't funny. This isn't part of the joke. And Marcy looks at them and they ask her to open the door, give them the key. Marcy continues, or I'm sorry, Marcy. Rhonda looks at them. Uh, Rhonda has the key in her hand. She outstretches her hand, and instead of handing them the key, she pushes the elevator button, and she ascends to the upper levels, holding her pumpkin, looking down on the children. And as she reaches the top, we hear the familiar screams and the familiar sounds that we've come so well to know of flesh ripping and bones being ripped out of their sockets and whatnot. And after we hear these, these noises and these screams, uh, Rhonda looks over in the distance and sees our little buddy Sam holding his uh, bitten lollipop, carrying his bag of candy. They do kind of like a polite acknowledgement to each other, and they go on about their way. And that is the story of the school bus Halloween massacre. I say good. Those kids got what they deserved. Yeah, yeah fuck those kids. This whole movie is a big homage to fuck those kids, man. Mm. <laughs> nope, nope, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, don't say it like that. I think it was the director who might have taken your advice a little bit too seriously. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> so what I will say, right? Um, what I will say while I'm here. Um, <clears throat> so as as some of you may know, some of our listeners may know at this point, um, out of this group of ours, I am the only one with children. One of my children, my middle child, is actually a special needs child. So this story, I asked to take lead on this story specifically because it is near and dear to my heart. And I'll take a page out of Dan's book. It did trigger me a little bit, you know, and that's what I really like about this movie. You know, it's not just the typical horror things and the scary things. It's about, you know, what really scares you in life. And as a as a father to a special needs child, not having your child accepted, you know, treated like Rhonda or, you know, treated like these kids where they're, you know, thrown away or they're cast aside out of society. Um, you know, it's really troubling to you. That being said, though, what really offended me is the focus on special needs children, um, you know, being the problem and being deserving mm-hmm. of being thrown off a cliff. When in actuality, all my children are assholes. <laughs> and all of my children annoy me enough to for me to pay a bus driver to throw them off of a cliff. So <laughs> a, as a parent, I just wanted to go on record as saying it doesn't matter whether your child is, is special needs, boy, girl, trans, gay. Um, it doesn't matter. They're all fucking annoying. And <laughs> we all think about throwing them off a cliff. But we love them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your children will be proud to know that their father hates them all equally. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that I thought Rhonda was a hero. Yeah. Uh, she 
tried to help that one kid. Um, I also appreciate this this whole sequence because it had a very Goonies feel to it. Uh, the whole like, kind of kids antics and like kids running away from like evil things. And yeah, it had like a nice like nostalgic feel to mm-hmm. it with the Goonies there. Um, and I really appreciate that Rhonda just did not give a shit about them when she was like, bye, bitch. And like, press that button. It was like, you're all dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I yeah, love that. Yeah, I loved that. I loved it. Like, that was the best ending. If she would have opened the door, I'd have been like, this movie is ridiculous. But like, that kept me in. That kept me hooked the whole time. I think it's kind of like a, like an acknowledgement that like, kids like her that are a little more distant. Yeah, you know, she's less popular, but they're more in tune with like ghosts and shit, mm. you know, or the, or like the Halloween culture. Cause it, it's like, she knew what was going on. The fact that she carried that pumpkin with her, the, the lit jack-o'-lantern, it's almost kind of like a, it's like a, a talisman. It's something that was like meant to keep her safe. So she, she knew what the fuck was going on. And she was just like, yeah, fuck you guys. She was, she was a little more in tune with Halloween, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Chris. All right, well, I guess I'll uh, just jump right into my story. Yeah. So after that lovely story, uh, we cut to the next segment, uh, The Surprise Party, which is a little bit of a shorter story. Um, I'm going to skip some things that really aren't important. Um, But we open with uh, four women in a costume shop trying on different Halloween costumes and just talking about the different cities they've been into for all these, uh, like, every year for Halloween. And here we have Lori, Danielle, Maria, and Janet. So Danielle, Maria, and Janet are all dressed up like Disney princesses. And gets the short end of the stick and comes out as Red Riding Hood. And she is not about it at all. She's super I thought she looked good. really good. Oh, no, she, she looked great. Uh, she hated it, though. Mm-hmm. Why this is, of course, Anna Paquin we're talking about, right? Yes. Uh, Why is this costume shop so busy on Halloween night? Right? Uh, last minute. This is like the last minute Halloween in this town. Halloween has your runtime of about eight minutes where you have to decorate your house, take the decorations down, and buy your costume in the span of eight minutes. Right? All right. Mm-hmm. I, I have another question. So I think Chris is – I don't know if Chris – Chris, I'm sorry if you're going to touch on this. But um, so there's there's a part where – um, this kid is listening in on their conversation. It's pretty unimportant that this happens, like in the scheme of the plot. But this kid's listening in on their conversations while these women are in their changing rooms, and um, the the kid's mom comes over. The boys, the little boy's mom comes over, and blames the women for having a conversation. Um. And they're not, like, screaming or anything. Like, they're not being ridiculous. They're Mm -hmm. not, like, screaming uh, drunk or anything like that. Uh, But the mom comes over and nevertheless blames them for having their conversation. I felt like, like, I'm not trying to be ridiculous on this. I thought that was a little ridiculous. Like, (laughs) like, I'm sorry. If my, speaking as, like, a person, like, if my son went over to them, and was listening in and peeping in on them, I'd be pissed off at him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be pissed off at them for doing what they're supposed to do. Well, like, they're supposed to go in there and have their 
Like, I, I, I don't know. It just, it felt really weird that, like, the director decided to do that. <laughs> like, that that whole scene just felt very strange to me. Uh, I, I agree with you, Dan. I wasn't going to mention it because, like, I didn't get it. Like, the fact that, yeah, this kid is just, like, pe- peeping in on them and listening to their conversation, which, yeah, like, their conversation out of context is, like, pretty, like, graphic in a sense. But it's also, like, as, like, the the shot showed it is a like packed Halloween shop. And at the volume that these girls are talking, there is no way in hell anyone is actually hearing their conversation like coherent. Correct. Unless you were a child who was peeking in trying to see some titties. What were the women wearing? Because that will determine whether it was their fault. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. I take back everything. I was about to say. You are correct. It depends on what they're wearing. <laughs> um, yeah, their was- princesses is what they were wearing. Yeah, it's, treat it's their fault. That way. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, can uh, I? I got I got good names for them all. They're all gonna be a little crass. You guys ready? All right. Okay, I got little Ho Peep. I got I got sleeping <laughs> sleeping Slooty. I got uh, a, a little Red Riding Dick. Uh, I got <laughs> I got uh, Beauty and the Feast. Uh, that one was kind of a stretch. And then I got Raboobzel. Raboobzel. <laughs> That's the best one. Yep, I love it. I got that Man. one uh, like three quarters of the way to, in in the span of this movie. It was three quarters of the way later in the movie because we took a little <laughs> break in there, and I was like, "It's my pistol!" And I have all caps. It's great. It's like the kids <laughs> were being murdered, and you were like, "Wait a second, we're poops!" <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh boy. So Laurie again is just she's super pissed about being Little Red Riding Hood, but Danielle tells her it's tradition. To be Little Red Riding Hood, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as is tradition. As is tradition. They're very vague about it, but, you know, whatever. So they pay for the costumes, and, you know, their plan is to kind of go through the town and find their dates for this party out in the woods, like a bonfire party. But Lori's just still kind of super pissed about her costume and really doesn't care, so she's like, I'll just meet you guys there. So they go their separate ways, and this is where we kind of cut to. I'm only going to mention it because it comes back pretty quickly. Um, you see the man and the woman making out an alleyway, and like he's all kissing her neck, and she's super into it. And then she looks down and like, oh, man, there's blood running down my body. As if she didn't realize all of a sudden her neck had just been bitten into. And the man smiles and reveals some vampire facts. <gasps> <gasps> he's, he's a vampire so you know lady screams and you know she just kind of slowly stumbles and dies due to blood loss that she was just way too horny to notice at first mm-hmm. wait but did did anyone else notice that he burped in her mouth <laughs> yes <laughs> okay okay i just i just just want to make sure it wasn't just me okay that's don't, all. don't kick shame I'm not, but he definitely burst in her mouth. (laughs) I wanted to mention it, but I just really want you guys to like chime in with it. Oh, you know, if someone's going to chime in with some nonsensical (laughs) bullshit about the plot, it's going to be me for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Mr. Creepy uh, vampire guy just kind of leaves your body there and disappears into the darkness. And then, you know, we cut to the bonfire party itself in the woods and, you know, see the girls are there and. I guess a couple other unnamed girls that you have no idea who they are, but you know, they're there and they're having fun. They've got their dates, they're drinking, 
dancing around having a great time. Peep out there, double fisting beers. So yeah, props to her. Get it. Clearly the sexiest one at that point. I'm 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 sorry. I mean ho peep. Ho peep. (laughs) Better. Little ho peep. (laughs) Um, all having fun, but Danielle really starts to worry about her sister. And they're just like, yeah, she'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Have a beer. So then we cut to Lori walking down this wonderfully lit path that is... uh, They really planned out this party because it is just a random path down, like, you know, out in the woods, but it's lined with lit jack-o'-lanterns. So you know where the party's at. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she's walking down the path and, you know, kind of get that feeling that someone's watching her. Like, you know, someone's trying to sell her something. And uh, she turns around and she's just like, you know, hey, fuck off. I'm not in the mood. And this is when we get the, you know, creepy vampire guy shows up again, you know, grabs her by the neck. You know, holds her up against a tree and he's just like, my, my, what big eyes you have. And then he mm-hmm. bites her neck. Mm hmm. So we then we then cut back to the bonfire party where everyone's having a great time. And all of a sudden, just some cloaked body falls and hits the ground. Which I actually was, I wasn't expecting it. And I was just sitting there just like, eh, everyone's having a party. Holy shit. All right. Yeah, the, the, the nonchalantness that the next couple scenes have was, was perfect. I loved it. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Danielle kind of like, slightly nervous, but mostly like just kind of walks up to the body, pulls the cloak back, and this man is just laying there begging for his life and asking for help, and it's when we notice it's Principal Wilkins. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reveal. I didn't think it was him, because it looked like it was a young guy, and it didn't look like it was old man Wilkins. That's called a stand-in. Mm. Oh my god! It it yeah, that threw me off too. And this is really where we start to see kind of like how all these stories interlace. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So as Mr. Principal Wilkins is laying on the ground, just bloody, broken leg, freaking out. This is where uh, Lori just kind of shows up out of nowhere and just tells everyone, "Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's cool." As blood's pouring down her neck. And she approaches Principal Wilkins and kind of straddles him. And I just thought at first, like, okay, you know, <laughs> up, break his <laughs> leg. And then that's when you straddle him. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is good, is what I, I thought. I like, I'd, prefer, I like I'd prefer the not broken leg before I'm straddled, but you know, I'll, I'll, you know nah. again. Nah, whatever. No, you. Oh, all right. Whatever. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so she straddles him and tells her to bear with her since it's her first time. And the other girls all start to dance. And that's when, you know, Wilkins kind of looks around and all of their dates, you know, are all on the ground just mutilated. And that's when uh, all the girls start to slowly remove their costumes and then proceed to slowly remove their flesh. Mm-hmm. 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 It reminds me of that meme, like, 
I saw them removing their costumes and I was like, you know that meme? It's like, they had me in the first half, not going to lie. Like, that's yes. kind of where I was. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, good, good. And then somebody like ripped her arm flesh off and I was like, less, less good. Dial <laughs> it back, dial it back. Go, yeah. go back to the other part from before. I like that better. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this so, whole scene was uh, back to Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams. Yes. I actually really I enjoyed that. I have not heard that song in a long time, and that mm. song still does slap. It's yes, such a really yeah, good song. Yeah, slaps. Slaps as hard as Vulcan's body hit the ground. <laughs> Got him. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> so... Lori pulls out his fake fangs that he has in his mouth. And as everyone, as you guys said, remove the clothes and they start ripping off their skin. Lori joins them. And that's when we see all this like fur and claws and more or less. Yeah, they're werewolves. And Lori leans down towards Vulcans and says, my, what big eyes you have. As she then lunges to his neck just rips into pieces just starts ripping into him man i want to i want to uh give this scenario to you guys because i never thought of it like this but um my wife and i were talking about the, my wife there it is. <laughs> i wouldn't try to stop myself so hard mm-hmm. <laughs> don't worry i got you uh so tiff and i were talking about this and um who's, who's tiff again uh, it's, it's my wife. <laughs> so we were talking about this while we were at a brewery, and um, she was saying that she really appreciated this because um, usually with like you know a cult of like fem- female or like women, it's like succubuses or vampires, and they're supposed to be like sexy still, and like being werewolves, it's like there's nothing sexy about like werewolves, right? It's just very animalistic. It's very, a very small portion of our audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't kink shame Dan. Yeah, Dan. Don't kink shame Dan. Look, I'm, I'm presenting a scenario to you guys. I want to hear what your guys' opinions on it are. (laughs) So, um, so like I, I I found that very interesting though. Like I, cause I've noticed that like we think about Jennifer's body where we've watched that and we've done that movie. Um, and like we've we've watched other heart movies, right? Like where we've seen this play out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I thought that that was a very interesting perspective, where it's like the the killer didn't necessarily have to be sexy, um, but it was still like badass. And I thought that that was cool to subvert that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just thought it was cool how uh, I think uh, Laurie was the main focus of that group of girls in this part of, part of the movie and i just thought it was a cool like turn and spin on it where she's dressed as little red riding hood and she turns out to be a wolf yeah that's yeah that's really funny like didn't really catch that wow yeah i'm an idiot no that's good <laughs> i i really like the fact that like they kind of kept us guessing with like her sister is obviously kind of like the leader of their little clique of girls and they continuously try to like set her up with a date, but they mm-hmm. always give her like these terrible, hideous options, like the baby man. Did we talk about the baby the man? Baby man? <laughs> Not yeah, really. So we didn't talk about the baby man. Um, there's a man in that in, in that woods party who is dressed up as a giant baby. He's a very large man. He's not a an incredibly attractive man. And they keep saying like, hey, we have a guy here for you. 
And it's kind of like, you know, this is Anna Paquin. Um, if you're not familiar with her work, she was the star of True Blood. Uh, she was rogue in the X-Men series in the 2000s. She's a very attractive girl. Yes. Holy shit, that's where I know her from. Yes. Oh, good. We're, we're making connections. Um, <laughs> but but I, was, I was, like, so confused. I was like, why does this sister suck so bad? Because she doesn't seem like she's being, like, outwardly mean. And then it comes to light that it's her first person she's going to eat. Mm -hmm. Fun fact about the man baby. um, Does anyone know where we've seen him before? Was he in the uh, swinger sex party? No, he was the giant baby ghost in 13 Ghosts. Oh, I love 13 Ghosts. It, he was specifically dressed as a baby in this in this uh, in this movie. He was casted as the baby man um, as a callback to that movie. So this this movie is a celebration of Halloween and, and Halloween type films. Hmm. When you perfect a role or a certain aspect of the character, <laughs> you, you want to keep doing it. So you they, could definitely say he was type baby man. Mm-hmm. He was definitely typecasted as the giant baby man. <laughs> what would be worse, being typecast as giant baby man? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. All right, no. never mind. I'm gonna that's it. Retract my um. Yeah, that's it. You got it. You won the joke. <laughs> maybe, maybe being in any Adam Sandler movie made. Wait, what about Uncut Gems? Have you seen uh-huh. Uncut Gems? Yeah, that was good. That's okay. Good. It's not. It's no Hubie Halloween, but <laughs> why are we not watching Hubie Halloween right now? Why are we watching <laughs> Trick or Treat? Don't watch Hubie Halloween. It's not. How many good. more stories do we have? <laughs> I think just one. Oh my gosh! Can we finish this movie? <laughs> Maybe, Chris. You, you good? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, the only other thing is like they're feasting on everyone. There is a uh, shot of little man sam oh yeah yeah it's pretty badass sam's been there the whole time though right guys yeah yes yeah sam is always with us no like at the end of every story he like shows up and they like he's like watching everything yeah yeah he's the watcher yeah uh so i'm gonna go ahead and and move forward to the to the krieg storyline so uh, we we get a couple mixed scenes with Krieg, uh, but we're going to start out with with pretty much right after this werewolf scene. Uh, so we got Krieg. He's hanging out uh, watching an infomercial, and I'm almost certain I've actually seen that infomercial, uh, and I love it. It's a Ron Pobiel showcase album. You said it and forget it. <laughs> I love it. Yes, I know I've seen that thing. You know how badly I wanted one of those when I, I was know. a kid. I know. That commercial on TV. It's only like four payments of twenty two twenty two. Like, what are you gonna do, man? Like, that's you know, I, I, I like after this movie, I like checked Amazon, and they don't sell us anymore because Ronco's gone like out of business years ago. Mm-hmm. But they want like six hundred dollars for this thing on what? Amazon. Not what is it? Now. An Easy Bake Oven. Pretty much. It's a Ron Popeil showcase oven. You just set it and forget it. You can roast a turkey. You can cook your pork chops. You can do anything. <laughs> it's a showcase oven by Ron Popeil. God damn, you've sold me. Can you send me the link to this? I want to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> we could find a commercial for you. 
Uh, but anyway, yeah. So we're we're hanging out inside the house with Krieg and his and his dog. And uh, my first thought was, I can smell that house. Like it, it just visually you can see it. It's it's just like old smoke, old cigarettes, old. Yep, and that's how I smelled. Too. <laughs> it was just it was old, and it's just an old man's house. It's kind of wild. Uh, so it looks he, like it smells like pee. It kind of like like a little hint. And I I think he's got some kids at his front door that he scares off, I believe. And uh, he ends up like stealing their candy. Um, And uh, he closes the door. He goes back in, but he hears some like noises inside the house. And uh, he starts to head upstairs to check out what it is. And um, somebody breaks a lamp. And you're like, what's that? Uh, And so he grabs a, a shotgun and he's chasing something around the house and you're not 100% sure what it is and finally get upstairs and this he removes the the sheet to the bed and it's a fake hand and then there's a pumpkin that lights up and there's a bunch he looks up to the ceiling and there's just a bunch of stuff written in blood uh, a, a bunch of threats and angry stuff is is this the part where he says that he has that NRA membership not yet uh, okay, <laughs> but you know he does because he's got a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he says he has an NRA membership. Actually, earlier on, with um, in in one of the scenes with the the principal, he comes outside. He's like, "I've got an NRA membership," and he runs, <laughs> and then he goes back inside. <laughs> and yeah, of course, at that moment, what we all think? Okay, you boomer. know he's a badass. <laughs> yeah, you know he's a badass. Look at this uh, boomer. Yeah. So he's got a shotgun. We know he does, and. Uh, so yeah, so we see something in the corner, um, because he's looking, or he's freaking out, he's looking around the room, and then his, his leg is, like, tendon on his ankle get cut, and it's like, oh, gross. Yeah, yeah, that was gross. And then he turns around, and look who it is. It's, it's Sackboy. It's our, <laughs> it's our friend Sam. Sam. Uh, and where is the razor blade that he uses to cut? It's in the candy bar. You gotta check your candy, kids. You gotta check the candy. Check the candy. <laughs> Wait, but... Hmm? But has he said that it stinks like a dead whore yet? Uh, he might have. I, I have questions. How uh-huh. does he know what a dead whore smells like? Hey. He's killed his share of dead whores. He's, well, gonna... he's killed his share of live whores. <laughs> dead horse. He's got an NRA membership. He knows. I'm the, right, that's what happens. <laughs> when you go to get your NRA membership, <laughs> one of the questions on the test is, what does a dead whore smell like? And if you get it wrong, they don't give it to you. That's it. <laughs> that's very true. Mm-hmm. All right, good enough. That was my only question about it. So uh, go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, so he goes to go unlock the door to get out of here. He's trying to run away, and uh, our Sam is on the ceiling now, and it, it starts to show like the the powers that Sam has. Because so far, Sam's been he's been less uh, murdery, I guess. He's just been around all the murders, so he, uh, he's doing something. So he ends up uh, fighting with with Sam a little bit, and he ends up pulling the mask off and. It's the jack-o'-lantern face, which is which is great. He starts biting uh, Krieg, and then Krieg gets one fantastic shot to the face, and you're like, great. Pumpkin guts are everywhere. It's it, it's perfect. Uh, and then he he doesn't wait. He doesn't wait for the. Uh, I think the body goes crazy or something like that. But he ends up double tapping it. I think. Uh, I I wanted to know where'd the dog go. Nobody knows. Oh, uh, what was his name? Spite. I think his name was. Probably. I think so. Yeah, yeah, the dog's name was definitely Spite. I wrote mm-hmm. down, well, Spite's dead. Yep. 
For sure. You always hear the whimper. Yep. Just a little. Spike's fucking dead. Unless so, it's a Stephen King movie, then you see it happen. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. So Spike dies, and you hear that in the distance. He's trying to call nine one one. I think around the same time, and uh, I think the phone the phone line gets cut. Which, by the way, uh, if you're if you hang up on nine one one, they will come to your house. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're like, uh, and then just hang up. Yeah, they they freak out, and then they come to your house. So unbelievable. Movie's not plausible. Ugh anyway anyway so uh yep then he's on the phone the line gets cut and he he gets his leg cut again i guess he got gets the other leg this time and i think his exasperation at that point is you've got to be fucking kidding me i think i have it in quotes which is yes (laughs) it's very nice to see that um if we look over at uh at our friend sam here and he's he's got his hand and he (laughs) does a little wave and fuses it back onto the arm uh and he is creeping slower and slower with the sharp candy, which I think we know from the very beginning of the movie. And it's, oh, that's the yes. murder weapon. So very cool. Uh, and Sam goes ahead and sees that there's a candy bar that falls down and he takes it to a little nom nom. He just leaves. That's it. Sam just wanted some candy. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. So next time, leave some candy out at your door. And then I think mm-hmm. we get a little pan over to the um, over to like a picture, and it turns out that the bus driver from that day, that fateful, fateful day, was Krieg. What? What? And, and then, and then, <laughs> coming back to me, actually, mm-hmm. uh, indirectly, this comes back to me. Uh, we see Sackface walk outside, and he sees. The people, he sees the car almost hit the kids, and the car drives off, and he sees the people start to walk up, the the husband and wife walk up to their house, and they are arguing about cleaning up the yard, and the husband walks inside. And I think that that is where the movie ends. We came full circle. Finally. Dan, who were the people inside the car that almost hit him? Uh, oh, they were important. Can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't I remember. It's been a while. It was the werewolves. The ah, werewolves. the women. The women who were yeah. the werewolves. They had fe- they had feasted on the, their victims mm-hmm. and now were driving out, having a good time. In their Audi? In their Audi. In their Audi Q5. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I appreciate that, like, what was his name? What was his name? Krieg? Yeah, yes. Krieg. Uh, I, you know, I appreciate that. I, I think. Th- was this kind of like a... What's that Christmas story? Like a Christmas story, or yeah, with the ghost. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it was kind of like a sort of wake up to Halloween for him. Like mm-hmm. you know, after he's attacked, he goes outside and he starts giving the kids candy. Oh, you're handing out peppermints, man. Yeah, like, he was handing out mints. Do better. Then all the uh, the ghost kids come back and they come back for him at the end. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, That's I think right. I think it's implied. There will be no next and year. They, they got him. They got him at the end. But and that he, is how the movie ends. He learned his lesson for a second. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And that's the end time of our to go year. to the hospital and get bandaged up too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about uh, sound and music. I guess. Yeah. Let's start off with that. Uh, this movie had a fantastic score. The 
the sound effects during the the creepy crawlies was fantastic. Uh, when Sam was on the ceiling and stuff and running around the house, I, I don't know. I, I think it had a really good score. I did too. There were some good songs that they used in this movie. For me, the most notable one was uh, the "Sweet Dreams" by mm-hmm. yeah. Alan Nelson cover. That was that my was, biggest part. Yeah, because when I was like 15, 16, that's like all I used to listen to. So and that song brought back a lot of memories for me. And it was like well used for like a party scene mm. and just the viciousness of these, what I thought was like unassuming women. They just tearing all these guys apart. And yeah, it was really cool. The movie kept, uh, the soundtrack rather, kept the movie fun and light. But that that part right there for me, like when that music played, like while yes, it, you know, it, it kind of brought back childhood memories. It's, it's very Halloween based. But like it kind of showed like this movie has teeth, you know, no pun intended, but like, you know, <laughs> they're, they're ripping flesh and, you know, and, and, you know, the movie did that throughout the, the whole, the whole film, really, you know, um, it made us think one thing and then it was like, oh, no, snap, they're not carving a pumpkin, they're carving a head. Uh, sound effects were great, but no, the, the music kept it really fun and kept it on the right note. So I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it- Anytime a movie like has those moments where it's like that really stands out to me, like over I've already said that it's been a while since I've seen this. Um it a- anytime that a movie like really has that movement that stands out is good. And that sweet dreams mute uh moment was like that was very standout. Like it, <laughs> um just hearing that composed against the viciousness of like these women coming out of their skin and ripping apart and becoming like werewolves uh it, it was very it was very cool to see um it's very neat visual um other than that like we we get these typical um sound effects that like kyle said and um uh where they're walking on the walls and these zombies are coming up to life. So other than, other than those stand apart things like that sweet dreams moment. Um, yeah. Everything was done very well. Like you guys said. Yeah. Awesome. And next thing we're going to do is cinematography and special effects. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a well done film. There was times of claustrophobia. There were awesome special effects of people of the bus uh, dropping off the cliff. Um, there was the, I think, probably practical effects when when the pumpkin exploded uh, when Krieg shot it. Um, I don't know, man. It was. I thought that I thought everything was really well done. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really cool the way uh, everything was done. Uh, the shots. The shots were good. Um, they had a lot of those like classic shots, like I said in the beginning, where we had that callback to Halloween. Um, and I, I noticed a lot of those kind of shots where it was like close up on the face, but like you could, but your eyes were like focusing on the background of things. Um, so I I always appreciate those kind of shots where uh, the director wants us to look at something, but like that's not there. The camera's primary focus. Um, I think that that does a lot for a movie. Uh, I, I appreciated I appreciated the shots that they that they were going for. I thought overall they did a nice job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie just had a real like spooky and eerie feel throughout. It felt like you were in a small town, like during their Halloween celebration, and it was just very well done. Even like all the different 
uh, locations, like in the woods, like a bunch of teenagers having a party, uh, the town having their parade. Just it felt like a small town Halloween. Yeah, the variation in scenes were was was a good point because yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it really did kind of build the town out. It's awesome. Oh, I think that's a great point, Mike. You really did kind of familiarize with the town yourself with the town as time went on even with all these different storylines that are so far removed from each other and yet they intertwine beautifully uh, i can't speak highly enough in terms of visual effects can't speak highly enough for the transition scenes the use of the comic book visuals mm-hmm. um which is uh how this movie got started by the way um it was originally a comic book but it, it, it was just so well done um each each transition was really you know a lot of movies sometimes if they do a, a flashback you know they just go straight to the scene or you know it'll fade into it this was a really creative way and it was a, a smart use for the budget of the film uh because you know it just gave that little extra element but it was refined it was uh it was enjoyable it was fun it kept it something that was enjoyable and you know kind of reminiscent of your childhood and that's what halloween should be and i think it's especially what it is for us that's you know why we're bunch you know we're five old nerds who talk about horror movies so this is a perfect movie uh, mm-hmm. in that in that respect so i like being an old nerd me too mm-hmm. great and dan do you have a spoopy meter for us this week yes sir so this week uh guys do you happen to know how many moons there are there's one, a, uh, There's one moon. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> this isn't Tatooine. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll just skip ahead. There are eight different cycles of the moon between new waxing first quarter, uh, waxing gibbous, full, waning gibbous last quarter, and waning crescent. So uh, with that about waning crescent, I always leave that one it's out. Your favorite I... one. It's your favorite one. Uh, with the I already werewolf. know which rating I'm going with because I'm not going to remember all of these names. Mm-hmm. Okay. With, with the werewolves being my favorite personal part of it, um, we decide, I decided, we decided, yeah, I decided. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I decided we're going with these moons, damn it. And there are eight moons. So, guys, zero to eight moons. How many moons would you give this movie? Um, I guess I'll start. Uh, it wasn't very creepy for me, so I'm going to give it a, a lighter uh, one moon, I guess, or stage one no. of the moon. You're only giving it a waning gibbous moon? This is <laughs> only a waning gibbous for me. But I will say overall, this this movie uh it gets me a um is is really the other end of it the correct answer for this? Can I say a full moon? It's a uh, full actually moon. uh the last part of it is the waning crescent. Alright, well I guess it's a waning crescent for goodness because it's it's a fantastic movie. It was really fun and I could see why people are I've been seeing it online a lot, I've been seeing people talk about it, and I've seen it a lot more this year than I have ever in my entire life, which is wild. Um I've I this is my first time watching it. I, I had never seen it before and people I think it's it's seen as a much more um uh less watched movie than I think it is because most people are like, oh shit, yeah, that's a really good movie that literally everybody's seen and I had not. So I don't know. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. I think it's more of a cult movie. This is it got popular over time because mm-hmm. like it had release problems. 
and it took two years to get an actual like theatrical release mm. and just word of mouth started to build this movie and that's what when it finally caught on and it's still one of those movies where people may not have heard about it but a lot of people have seen it and it's just a slowly growing audience gotcha um i'm probably gonna go maybe immediately forgot all of the, the <laughs> you, you don't have to say <laughs> just say zero to eight what do you get okay it? thank you so um first spoopiness i'm gonna go like a two you know i'm gonna go at least like a three and a half solely for the bus kids coming out of the fog mm. during that story because that shit was scary to me but i loved it mm. um yeah that's the only thing that really kind of scared me or freaked me out anyway um but i would say as a whole movie i'm gonna give it uh a seven out of eight i really enjoyed it like kyle i'd never seen this before um i heard about it briefly maybe like or maybe heard about it like a couple years ago but also like this year probably mostly because everyone's stuck inside and watching every movie they can find i've just heard about it constantly ever since we decided to do this one and mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it and loved every second of it, especially Sam. Adorable little bathroom. Spoopy wise, I think I'm on the same page. This wasn't like an overtly like scary movie, but there were certain scenes that were really like a little bit creepy. Like as Chris said, the uh, kids coming out of the rock rock quarry, all the uh, fog and the smoke down there, uh, the teenage girls them going from women to werewolves and just that transition was pretty cool. So uh spoopy wise, as I would give it probably two, two and a half, which everybody knows is the waxing waning new gibbous sunset moon. Uh five thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the waxing waning I really like this movie. It's one of the better Halloween movies out there. I would probably give it about a seven. So as, as everybody knows, the number seven moons, the uh, moons over my hammy. So I can definitely <laughs> recommend this movie to any horror fans out there. If you're looking for a movie to uh, fit the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't differ too much in terms of, uh, you know, spoopiness. It's, it's creepy. Uh, there's, you know, there's definitely buildups, but I, I, I was never, uh, I, I, you know, I never had the rush of adrenaline that I get from some horror movies. I just liked that it was culturally very, uh, very relevant to Halloween. It made me think of good Halloweens, fun movies, being scared. Um, but it didn't necessarily scare me. So uh, I'll give it a one or two in terms of spookiness. Now, for my overall, though, just because of the feelings that it awoke, uh, the fact that it was... Uh, five completely separate storylines that all beautifully interlaced and intertwined. And, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was noticeable, uh, you know, throughout the film. And you kind of sort of picked things out as you went, which I thought was really fun. You know, it kept you paying attention. Um, I, I too will give this a seven of eight, um, seven of eight moons. Uh, very similarly, I, I'm going to give this like one out of eight. Um, I can't give it more than that. Like out out of a spoopy meter, I I can't give it more than one out of eight. Um, it wasn't scary, but if you look at it from 
like a story perspective, I thought that as soon as I saw that there were four different stories going on, like verb out loud, I said, whoa, like that, that's crazy. So um, for that alone, I thought that that was really cool. I, I think it's interesting when we get like different perspectives of stories. Uh, this is a little extreme, but like things like memento when we get like different perspectives of stories i i really enjoy that kind of thing um so i i am gonna have to give it a really high rating in terms of story i like the werewolves i like the aspect of the principal snapping and having a bonding movement with their child over like carving up a student's head it's like a real store a real horror scenario I, I like the idea of Sackboy going in and like terrorizing this bus driver because like he was part of it. So I, I thought that everything was very interesting. Along with that, I think the movie is very underrated. I don't I never hear it talked about. So I think that that adds to it. If this movie was like hyped up and crazy, honestly, I probably wouldn't like it. But the fact that I never hear about this movie, I thoroughly enjoyed it i i think that you should watch it if you're listening to this i think that you'll enjoy it i think it'll be a great movie for you i think it's a great halloween movie i think it's a great movie just all around i think it's fun uh don't look into it too much don't look at it from like some political perspective or anything like that and i think you'll have a great time going into this movie so I, I'm going to give this movie a uh, seven out of eight moons. I think it's super fun. Great movie. I'm not looking at it as anything but the movie baseline. Um, and that's my perspective on it. Yeah, I think we all echo that is that it was it was a fun movie. It was good. And if you haven't watched it yet, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, Were there political implications in Trick or Treat that I that I didn't pick up on? I mean, you could definitely take like, uh, I I don't know. There's always like really deep things like you could. I, we're not talking about that in this. <laughs> All right, this episode's long enough. All right, go ahead, Kyle. Finish this up. Yeah, uh, I think I'll go ahead and finish this up. Uh, I want to thank our friends who uh, helped us out with this podcast so far. Uh, that would be Connor McLeod. He did our artwork. Uh, you can see that in our podcast if you downloaded it. And our intro and outro music by Andrew Cavanaugh. You can find all that information in our podcast description and the episode description. And uh, I think that'll round us out. So join us up. Uh, welcome back to season two. Uh, and uh, we're excited to see you. So talk to everybody later. Chris, do you have anything to say to the nice people? Thanks for stopping by and having a hard time.